Well, he's ever so nice to have Brother Arthur Burt with us this afternoon. He's, he, he belongs from somewhere around here, you know, but he's, he's living down in Paddock Wood these days. We don't see much of him. But when we do see him, we appreciate it. He's one of them. One of us. Praise the Lord. Brother Arthur. Well, there's a little word here, brothers and sisters. I think most of you know it very well. But it'll not take half an hour to read it to you. <clears throat> it's in the last book of the Old Testament. And on the last page of your Old Testament, you find these words. Uh, this is Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10. The Lord says, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be, that there may be meat in mine house. And he says, prove me now. Prove me now. Now, I believe, and I'm, I'm persuaded most of you believe, that this that we are in is positive. It's positive, brother. It's positive, sister. And it's so positive that it'll work along a negative line. Now, the challenge of anything comes at the lowest spot every time. I knew a man, and he said, my wife's a wonderful cook. But he says, there's one thing I've got to provide her with plenty of good stuff to cook with. He says, if I find her plenty of stuff, she can make some grand meals. But he said, I know a woman. I remember her ever so well. They called her Mrs. Dixon. She's gone to glory now. And she was a cook in Leeds Hospital. And she was a wonderful cook. But this was how wonderful she was. She could make a meal out of nothing. <laughs> now that's a good cook, that is. That's a good cook. She'd go around the plates when everybody's finished. I don't know. All sorts of things went in, but she scooped them all in. <laughs> and <laughs> you'd be surprised what came out next meal. It tasted fit for a king. She was a wonderful cook, yes, yes. Now, you may not like that sort of cooking, but I tell you, if you happen to be the scrap ends and the scrag ends that have been left on the edge of somebody else's plate, you might appreciate that sort of cooking. You see, there are lots of people and they've been left out. There are lots of people and they've been relegated to the dustbin. There are lots of people and they've been pushed out and left out and poked out and kicked out, and people say there's no hope for you Get out. Now, the challenge of what I believe, anyway, and you can join me if you believe the same, but the challenge of what I believe comes here. That this God that I believe in, he can get hold of nothing. He can go around the scrap iron yard and he can pick up, and he can pick up, and I believe that's the right word, he can pick up that which other people have thrown out. And for the glory of his great and mighty name, he can perform that which no man can do. Oh, hallelujah. No wonder he says, prove me now. Prove me now. Now, the Lord is positive, brother. And the challenge comes right here. Not on a Sunday afternoon in a glory meeting at Newark. That's not the challenge. The challenge is at your lowest hour, wherever that may be. You don't live in, you don't live in a glory meeting in Newark 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You have situations to face. There are things at this present moment that will meet you. I tell you, before you've gone out of that door and been out of it more than a few minutes, there are situations that will meet you and the challenge of God comes there. Now, unless this works there, 
Don't talk to me about here. But oh, hallelujah. I'm delighted to tell you this works anywhere. It'll work in the scrapyard. It'll work in the scrapyard. It'll work in the dustbin. It'll work on the door. It'll work anywhere. It will. God says to you right now, prove me now. Now you've got an out, and I've got an out, where situations loom up, and where you can either make God true, or you can make God a liar. Well, what's your situation? You say, well, it may be with one, it may be a matter of temper. You hear about people have lost their temper. Well, did you know that God has tempered the body together? God has tempered the body together. And you know this, he set the members just right. God has set the members one against another. And the setup that you are in and the particular peculiar people that you live with is just right. Hallelujah. Just right. Oh, don't go back to the garden and start on Adam's caper, the woman that thou gavest me. I tell you, that brought about the fall. Because he refused to blame himself. He blamed his wife and he blamed God for giving him such a wife. No wonder he fell. He couldn't do anything else. Once you refuse, once you refuse to accept blame, you go out into darkness. Because what is blame? Blame is having truth. And we've been singing it all afternoon. It's the truth that makes you free. Well, amen. Have the truth. Take the blame. Because, you see, you can't say, well, it's her or it's him. Because even Adam had to admit, the woman thou gavest me. So whatever she was, God gave her. God gave her to him. So his first quarrel was with his God, not with his wife. His first quarrel was with his God. Now, do you see how it works? Oh, you must say, I'm fed up with this job. Well, who gave you? Who gave you? Oh, you say, the devil gave me. You might like to blame the devil anything but yourself. Don't you see this? You blame the devil, you've still a situation to face that somewhere in the choice of your heart, you're responsible. After all, the devil is an essential part of the plan of God. You can't push him out. Oh no, you can't push him out. I've said this often, I've said it at Newark, I expect, but I'll say it again. The devil is part of the divine plan. He's a creature, he was created, and God declares the end from the beginning, and before ever God made the devil, he knew what he'd be like. Now, you've got to adjust somehow, you're thinking, to seeing this, that the devil is something in the plan of God. Well, of course he is. How could you choose the, the narrow way if there wasn't a broad way? How could you choose to make God true if there wasn't somebody else you could make true? How could you choose to serve God if there's no one else to serve? The very position that God gave to you and to me of human responsibility demands a choice, and choice means two. Brother, which will you have? Will you have a cup of tea or a cup of tea? Well, I'll have a cup of tea. You've given me no choice. See? Well, now, the thing is this. Uh, in the plan of God, God has made us as responsible creatures to choose. Now, you'll find this. You can either choose to make God true and yourself a liar, or else you justify yourself and you blame God. Now, you may blame the devil, but you'll still have to find a place. If you blame the devil, you'll still have to find a place because the devil is, is, is just like this. God made him originally and initially in the plan as heaven's prime minister. And he touched the glory, and because he touched the glory, he fell. 
and God cast him out. And he was discarded from his first place. But he fits in. Hallelujah. <laughs> I've said this often, I'll say it again. Some of you brothers, you go and you buy a nice vest. You wear it for a you wear it for twelve months or something, and then you find there's a hole in it. And you discard it. You discard it. It's no further use as a vest. You discard it. But there comes a day in the house when someone's doing something and they knock a cup of tea over. Oh, quick, quick, fetch a floor cloth. And you go running into the kitchen, you come back with a floor cloth and you wipe the mess up with father's old vest. <laughs> Part of the plan. It's lost its first estate, but it's now fulfilling its place in the plan and the purpose of the household where it's being used to wipe the mess up. Do you see it? Whilst the devil has lost his first place, God fits him in the divine plan because he knew all about it. And even Paul had to mention, lest I should be exalted above measure, there was given to me, born in the flesh, the messenger of sin to buffet me. But he says, it was given to me. There was another hand that permitted it. Another hand that permitted it. So you and I have to see and adjust our beliefs in line with it. The things haven't gone all wrong. Everything's all right now. God's on the throne, brother. God's on the throne, sister. And I tell you this. We are not waiting for the issue to be settled whether our God's going to win or not. He's won. This thing's positive. And it's so tremendously positive that it'll work in the most hopeless, difficult, impossible situation that you can bring. And the most hopeless, impossible person that you can find. Well, you won't have to look far, will you? I'm sure you know somebody who'd fit into those uh, descriptive words. Well, I don't know. I think you're absolutely impossible. Well, begin right there. Hallelujah. Begin right there. You'll find this works. Ministering grace isn't standing on a platform like I'm doing and preaching about grace. Ministering grace is going the second mile, turning the other cheek, finding within yourself a blessed barrenness where you've got to turn to God for a move and for, a, 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 and for something outside of yourself where you can love the unlovely and minister to the man that's down and go that second mile and there find the grace of God moving and operating in your life. Now I tell you this, brother, sister, it works. It works, it works. You go to that impossible situation or that impossible person and you know just where you, uh, you may not have gone off the handle outwardly and, and gnashed with your teeth and, and perhaps sworn and cursed like the people of the world, but you've, you've had a situation where you've lost your temper. Now, I don't mean it in the ordinary sense that people mean it, where uh, they talk about he's lost his temper, but I mean you've lost your temper in the body. The church is the body of Jesus Christ and God has set the members together and God has tempered the members one against another. Now you get a steel knife and you bend it that way and you bend it that way and because it's tempered it'll bend. You see? Because it's tempered it'll bend. Now when you are in the body and you recognize that God has put you in the body in the place you are, you'll find you'll bend to the other member. And I tell you, life is impossible without give and take. Even the people of the world recognize that. Never mind Christians. People of the world recognize that. You've got to give and take in life. And there's got to be that bending, that tempering. Have you ever ridden in a car that's broken its springs? It's worse than riding a donkey when you don't know how to ride. It rattles every bone in your body. Have you ever had an experience where every bone in your body's been rattled? Yeah. Well, God has tempered the body together. 
You know, he's even provided marrow to run through the bones, the joints and the marrow. There's a heavenly lubrication in the body. See, he works everything. Can you drive a car without putting oil in it? Well, of course you can't. It seizes up and it burns up and it heats up and it gets all het up. Well, so do you and so do I, unless the heavenly, the heavenly mobility of the Holy Ghost is flowing through you. And you'll not find any flow unless you recognize, first of all, that God has tempered the body. God has tempered the body. And the member that you are set... Oh, it's just right, hallelujah. I was noticing the other day, doesn't it seem strange? God said, I'll make a man. And God made a man and breathed into him, and the job was done. Well, of course, it's easy for God. But then the scripture tells us, the word of God tells us, that God put Adam to sleep, and he took a rib out of the man, and he closed up his flesh, and out of the rib he created a woman. Well, what did he go to all that trouble for? When he could have just said, let there be, and there would have been. Why did he do it? Well, of course. They two shall be one flesh. You've got to see this, that God never initially planned and purposed for you that you're a one-man show, that you could live on your own and patch your own trousers and, and mend your own boots and cook your own dinner and cut your own hair and wash your own shirt and do all your own gardening and be a one-man show. I tell you this, it's in the plan of God that you should not be independent but dependent. Now you look at the scriptures, you'll find it. God has made man a dependent creature. And the fall came in when the devil came to Adam and Eve and said, you shall be as gods to know good and evil. You don't need to have a God, you shall be a God. You, you, you shan't need to have a God, you'll be a God. And you'll be a separate concern on your own and you shan't need anybody or anything. You shall be independent. Brother, sister, it isn't in the divine plan at all. God's plan is that we should be locked and linked up one to the other. And God has set the members in the body. And you need me and I need you. And I tell you this, you husbands, you'll have to face up to the truth of the word of God that you're incomplete. <laughs> you're incomplete without your wife. Unless, of course, the Lord has said to you, well, I'll be your wife, and he's given you a direct word. But there's something in the plan you'll find somewhere. Somewhere it's there in the plan. God has tempered the body together. And you, sisters, you can't paddle your own canoe and do as you like and go as you like. You find the same principle operate. God has tempered the body together. Now then, once you refuse to recognize that you're in the body just where God's put you, member to member, once you refuse to recognize that, the first thing you do, you begin to look at another member and think it's uncomely. And it's an uncomely member. And you don't like him. And you don't like her. Ooh, you say, can't stick it. Gets under my skin. Can't stick it. Ooh, Alexander the Coppersmith. Don't be much harm. And if it's not Alexander, well, it's Mrs. Alexander. And if it's not Mrs. Alexander, it's all the little Alexanders. And if it's not the little Alexander's, well, it's the Alexander's dog. It's something, something, something where you think you could improve on the plan of God and shift something out and shift somebody out and bring something else different in. But oh, when you recognize everything's all right now. Hallelujah.
See, the thing that you've said, oh, God can't do anything with it. How can God bless while this is here? Oh, why, this ought to be... I tell you, in the name of the Lord, that situation and that person that you've said, this is not of God, there's more of God in that for you than you've ever dreamed of. Adjust yourself and find the Lord in a situation. Why, he makes her off the man to praise him. Oh, it was so lovely to me, I, I, I can't get away from it. How Pharaoh decreed that every babe should die. And God decreed that one little babe in a basket should live. <laughs> Amen. And all Pharaoh's efforts were frustrated by the mighty hand of God. He moved Pharaoh's daughter. Who moved her? Who moved her? God moved her with compassion for the crying child. Picked the babe up and said, go and find me somebody to nurse it. And in the plan, Moses' mother has paid wages to feed her own babe in the royal palace. And God is so completely in charge of the situation that he makes Pharaoh a grandfather of the project. <laughs> Wonderful, isn't it? Pharaoh says, every babe shall die. And within six months, he's bouncing one on his knee. <laughs> Come to grandpa. Come to grandpa. You dear little chap. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it, there it is, now listen, there's something the Spirit of God's witnessing to, this isn't an entertainment, you know, isn't. there's something the Spirit of God is witnessing to, you watch the witness, watch the witness, brother, watch the witness, sister, you watch it, see there, there's something terrific about this. I tell you, the Spirit of God is the Spirit of truth, and he witnesses to truth. And you'll find that the Spirit of God has witnessed to something that you will have to face out there. But that's where your blessing will be. And if you don't get your blessing there, you'll not bring it here. You'll come empty for a fill-up. But there is a place where you can come full to fill others. See? See? Every member should minister. See, there isn't such a thing. Someone said to me today, Hello, kidneys, are you here again? I wonder what on earth they meant. But I do remember now. You see, I, 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 I remember the Lord gave me something about each part of the body having a function. Some of them we haven't ever seen. But it doesn't matter. They go on ministering just the same. They're not after the limelight. There are unseen members in your body, such as, I don't know, streams of them. Your liver and all the rest of them. They go on ministering. They don't want any show. They do their job unto their creator. Now, every member has a function in the body. There is no such thing in the divine plan or purpose as an eye that doesn't see or an ear that doesn't hear or a foot that doesn't walk. And whether you're an eye or an ear or a foot, find out your ministry in the body and then recognize to the glory of God you ought to move. You ought to move. Now, there it is. Now, God is so big and so great that he's got everything under control. Oh, hallelujah. Everything under control in the divine plan and purpose. And as we've just said, Pharaoh, out of all his plans and schemes and murderous threats, Pharaoh is brought completely and sweetly in control, and he's made the grandfather of the project. And for 40 years, he finances it. <laughs> for 40 years, he finances it. He didn't know what he was financing, did he? But it was all right. That's how big God is. You see, the negative line is the line where God shall manifest and demonstrate how positive he is. See? Now he says, prove me now. Now somewhere where you said, oh, if there was only a change. 
No, the chains needs to be in here, that's all. One ship goes east and the other ship goes west for the self-same wind that blows. It's not the gale, it's the set of the sail that determines the way the ship goes. I don't know much about tacking, but anyway, when you get your sails right, you can go forward, zigzag forward on a contrary wind, or nearly a contrary wind. There's something where, in this, you see, you can do nothing against the truth. The truth is like a cube, six feet wide by six feet long by six feet high. Push it over, it's still six feet wide by six feet long by six feet high. Turn it upside down, it's still six feet long by six feet wide by six feet high. Jump on it, stamp on it, push it about, kick it, do what you like. You can't alter the truth. You can do nothing against it. Now, there are issues that they can do against you, but you can't do anything against the truth. And the truth is so mighty in the plan and purpose of God that in spite of all the pharaohs, it just rides on triumphantly. And God snaps his fingers at every situation. And the proud, impious, defiant pharaoh, he says, right, you'll be the grandfather of this project and you'll finance it. And that's that. Now God says to you, prove me now. And you've got a now. You've got a now. This glory meeting will pass. Some of you will go on buses, some on foot, some in cars. And you'll go back again to situation. Now, this is the point, brother, sister. This works there and not just here. It'll work there. Now, you may feel and find to your, apparently, you say, well, I've tried it and it doesn't. <laughs> well, you'll have to say, well, uh, I'm wrong. Let God be true. It'll work there. And there are certain issues to do with people and persons and places, and they so vitally concern the glory experience in your life that it's absolutely necessary for you to find God in that situation or you lose your glory. You lose it. If you don't find God there, your husband, your wife, or whatever it is, next door neighbor, Alexander, or whoever he is, just there. Now, God has tempered the body. And he ma it's in the plan that there should be that where you give and take. There's a yielding and a bending. The Lord Jesus sent them out in two. Why? Well, to knock the spots off one another. <coughs> See, God's always against the one-man show. Because the one man's independent, but God's plan is dependent. The Lord Jesus, the perfect man, said, I can of my own self do nothing. He manifested the Father. He looked to the Father. He didn't speak his own words. He spoke the words of God. He didn't come to do his own will. He came to do the will of the Father. The very works that he did, he says, the Father that is in me, he doeth the work. He was utterly dependent upon the Father. And he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth, present tense, out to the mouth of God. Now this work, in the only time God has given you. Now, yesterday's gone. Tomorrow is not to you, but you have a present now that you are responsible for. And God says, prove me now. Now, spirit is always now. Spirit isn't something that has been. Anything that has been takes on itself the nature of the manner that breeds worms and stinks. But spirit is something that comes fresh and living and vital from heaven on the dock right now. And as you face a situation, you'll find there's a present situation where you have to prove God now. Well, I'm delighted to tell you, and at the same time minister to my own heart, and tell me also, that that situation, brother, sister, where you are, you can find God now. Now, first of all, you've got to adjust your belief to that situation. Because you've said, well, I'll have to have a change there. I'll have to have a change. We can't carry on as we are doing. But right there, you'll find God. Right there. But you see, you will have to 
do some bending. This tempering business, you see. God has tempered the body. You'll have to do some bending. Oh, it's all right. Me do the bending. It's she who needs to do the bending. No, 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 no. You've got it wrong. It's you who needs to do the bending. How oh, but she's wrong. <laughs> well, I expect she'd say you were wrong if I went to her. But you see, the plan is that God, who is so right, stooped to man, who is so wrong. Might and right must bend to wrong. Might and right must not condone wrong, but might and right must bend to wrong. And God declared his love to you while you were yet a sinner. He didn't say, you go and, sw- you, you go and clean yourself up and then I'll love you. No. He came and met you because this ministry of grace is that you love people for Jesus' sake. You don't love them because they're worthy. Oh, you say, anybody could love him. He's such a lovely young man. But as for him, well, that's the one, him. That will manifest the glory of God and the grace of God in your life. Where do you think you're going to show grace? Up amongst the angels in heaven? You can't show grace up there. The only spot you can show it is down here. When you're mixing and moving with fallen men. And as you minister, that which you've received, freely you've received the love of God and the grace of God, well then go out and find somebody to lavish it on and put it on. Well, who do you want? Angels? No. The only people you can love with grace are people who don't deserve it because that's how God ministered to you. And you'll find as you begin to move along the line of grace and as you begin to see the point that the second mile is something real, it'll work. Now let me just tell you this. The second mile will not work if you go with a man or go with a woman. It says, he that would compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Now whatever you see, it's all Alexander who's compelled you. Ah, mm, Tim, not me, Tim. You can't get near the fire at night time. Sprawls his feet right across the fire. He's only the lodger. But you can't get near. You can't get a warm. You can't get anything in our house. I've been out working all day and I come in at night time and there he is right across the fire. Anybody got to get coal or anything for the fire? It's always me that has to go up. Nobody else ever moves in our house. It's always me. It's always me. <laughs> well, it's right there that you'll see God in that situation. Now, if you see them, you can't go with them the second mile. But if you see that God has permitted you God has permitted you to meet that person and it's just right. Though it's all wrong, it's just right. Now, do you see how it works? That particular situation in your life where you feel that somebody has done you a wrong, they will be blamed for doing that wrong. But by the time it's got to you, it isn't wrong, it's just right. Well, that's elementary, Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good. The devil pulls back his bow and he fires his arrow with his poison dart and as it goes through the air the hand of the living God gets a hold of the dart and neutralizes the poison and by the time it pierces your flesh it's working for your good. Now there it is. See, so the the, the very situation and with this I'm going to close but I, I do bring this before you now before I sit down. The very situation where you are being compelled to go the first mile you say, my word, go a second mile. Ah, oh, think, go a second mile. I've had enough with first one. <laughs> Trouble with her is you give her an inch, you take the foot. Give her a foot, you take the yard. Give her a yard, you take the backyard. <laughs> but there it is, you see. You don't go with her. You go with him. You don't go with her. You go with him. Go with him the second mile. You see that the wisdom of God has permitted what the power of God could prevent. And you see, why? Do you think that Judas could have, could have brought about the death of Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ said this. Think you not that this moment I could call 12 legions of angels to my aid. 
And I tell you, one angel destroyed Sennacherib's army, 144,000. That's how powerful an angel is. One angel destroyed 144,000 of Sennacherib's army. The angels of Mons, they routed the German cavalry in the 1418 war. They went back. It was no illusion. Even the horses fled. Jesus said, I can call 12 armies to my aid. But he said, how then shall the scripture be fulfilled? The Son of Man goes as it's written of him. But woe to the man by whom he goes. So Judas will be blamed for betraying the Lord Jesus. But Judas fulfilled the divine plan. God knew what Judas would do. God permitted Judas to be amongst the twelve. God committed, permitted Judas to kiss Jesus. And it fitted into the divine plan. Now there's something in your life that I admit now is all wrong. But it isn't wrong to you. The person who's doing it, leave that with God. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. But as far as you're concerned, it's just right for you. And if that was moved out, you'd have to have something else. Because God's doing a work in you, and he's saying, prove me now. Now the witness of the Spirit that you receive in this meeting will all merge up finally that this glory move is not a hubbly-bubbly, jumpy, joy-of-living-bean business, Heinz beans and, 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 and crucian... Crucians and Andrew Salt jumping over the gate and all the rest of it. It's not bubbling froth, brother. Sister, this thing's real and it works. But it's so real and it so works that it makes you jump. See? But you don't jump without a cause for jumping. You jump because he's so wonderful. And you'll find you'll jump higher than ever. We sometimes sing a little chorus. I feel like fire shut up in my bones. (laughs) You know, it's It's taken from the book of Jeremiah, where Jeremiah said, I said I will speak no more in his name. He fell out with God. I said I will speak no more in his name. But, 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 ooh, 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 he says his word. His word was like a fire, shut up in my bones, and I couldn't contain. Do you know anything at all about that? I'm sure you do. You've sung it often enough. I feel like fire. I feel. Now, one thing that people seem to take exception to is the fact that we've got some feelings. (laughs) They don't seem to think we ought to have any feelings about... Well, I don't like the word religion, do you? I don't like religion as a word. I, I don't think I am religious. Are you religious? Well, I don't like that word re- religious, but I, I, I do thank God because like Connie, I know the power of the truth is such that it's made me free. Glory to God. And there's some feelings about being free. Of course there are. Some feelings about being bound up too. Bondage has got a lot of feelings and freedom's got a lot of feelings. And wherever you go in life, it's inescapable that feelings will dog your footsteps. Dog your footsteps. Dog your footsteps. Have you ever taken the dog for a walk? (laughs) Has the dog ever taken you for a walk? There's a difference, isn't there? I've seen a lot of people take the dog for a walk. You know, along like this. (laughs) Then his majesty decides on a particular corner to stop. 
And every brick up the side of the wall has to be methodically and scrupulously inspected. Brick by brick, he sniffs and goes up and down. And you are standing there, waiting. <laughs> well, you may take the dog for a walk, or you may find the dog takes you for a walk. All of a sudden, there's a, a lunge and a plunge, and he goes down this street. And you find yourself like, like, like this, you see, whether you want or not. And away you go down there. And he's determined there's a particular something down there. I don't know what, but anyway, the dog's now taking you for a walk. Some people take the dogs for a walk. And some people, their dogs take them for a walk. Well, feelings are a bit like that. They'll dog your footsteps wherever you go. But you know, there is a difference. Feelings... Feelings can be out of order or in order, but they play a vital part in our lives and we can't escape them. And brother, sister, you cannot live without feelings. And if you don't have feelings that are born of God, you'll have feelings that are born of the devil, but you'll have some sort of feeling. You'll either have the feelings that are attendant upon liberty or you'll have feelings that are attendant with bondage. But feelings you certainly will have. You know, such a lot of people think that we ought not to feel anything. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, bless the Lord. Ought not to feel anything. Well, one thing's very evident. There's nothing can so, so upset your life as to be ruled by feelings. And you come to the place, and I come to the place, so often where we have to make a choice between what God says or what we feel which is out of line with what God says. You find sometimes your feelings have got to be brought to line like the dog. Down! Sit! Peace! <laughs> and when you get some feelings that are out of line with the word of God, well, you don't go letting your feelings take you off like this down the road. No! The feelings have got to be brought into subjection. It's down! Sit! Because you can have two lots of feelings. You can have feelings that proceed from your spirit. Or you can have feelings that proceed from your flesh. And if you go along the line of the feelings that come from your flesh, you'll find before very long, you're in an awful place of bondage. Because the feelings from the flesh always produce bondage. Now the word of God says, I don't know that I can just find it, but I know it's there in Isaiah. I think it's the book of Isaiah. It says, break forth, break forth, sing together, ye waste places of Jerusalem. Oh, hallelujah. And just as an airplane goes through the sound barrier with a crack, so there is a place where you and I have to go through the feeling barrier. And you come into a place of wondrous, glorious liberty where no longer your feelings are leading you, but you are leading your feelings because you are led of the Spirit. And your feelings have got to down, sit, heal, and they've got to come into line. And instead of dictating to you, you dictate to them. Because you've been dictated to by the word of God. A man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And because you've received the word of the Lord, your feelings must be subject to what God says. And if they raise their ugly heads and challenge the word of God, well, it's down, sit, heal, come into line. Feelings are like fire. They're a good servant, but they're a bad master. And how often we find that people, you notice, you find a man whose life is ruled by feelings of the flesh, and the man's nowhere. 
On Mondays up, on Tuesdays down, on Wednesdays neither up nor down, like the grand old Duke of York. He doesn't know whether he's going up the hill or down the hill or where he is. And he says, oh, I'm not going to the meeting tonight. I don't feel like it. And you can feel the depression as it hits you. It comes over and it sinks down to zero. You can hear it in the very tone of his voice. He says, I don't feel like going to the meeting tonight. So a thing settled upon some sort of feelings that came from somewhere, anywhere, nowhere, but they've dictated to him what he shall do and what he shan't do. And he finds himself in a place where feelings are ruling his life. Now, God has given us feelings, and brother, sister, you'll get nowhere and this way without feelings. And if you don't fill up with feelings from heaven, you'll fill up with feelings from hell. You'll fill up with some sort of feelings. No man can be a vacuum on two legs and live without feelings. But glory to God. Doesn't the word of God say there's joy and peace in believing? Well, don't you feel joy and peace? Isn't it something you feel? You don't smell it? You feel it. Glory to God. There's joy and peace in believing. And we sometimes sing a little chorus, it's joy unspeakable. But we don't sing it's joy unfeelable. It's joy unspeakable, maybe, but you feel it. Glory to God. And there are such a lot of people, take exception to, to, to many who've been set free and have had a touch. And some have had more than a touch. Some have been soaked. But they've had such a revelation of what liberty is. And they've had feelings in line with liberty. And people have taken exception to them. And they said, well, you mustn't do that, and you shouldn't do this, and you shouldn't do the other. Well, now, God's doing something in these last days. If your eyes are open to see it, it's a parable. It's a parable. It's a parable what's happening in the church at the present time where the Spirit of the Lord is having his way. Where he's having his way, he's having his sway. And where he's having his sway, the people of God are enjoying liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord isn't recognized, there's license. As many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. You're not set free to do as you like. You're set free to be subject to the Spirit of God. And you'll find that if you're set free from one load of unwelcome feelings, you'll come under the glorious domination of another set of feelings. But they're wondrous feelings. And you'll feel a witness in your spirit to that which is God. You'll feel it. And so you'll find there are so many people that come into a service. You say, well, I shan't praise the Lord today. I don't feel like Are you going to insult the Lord with a lot of unregenerate feelings from your flesh life? that tell you and dictate to you a lot of lies that God isn't good and God isn't gracious and he's only good and he's only gracious when you feel he's good or gracious? Or is the Lord righteous and gracious and wondrous and loving all the time? Are you going to be brought to a place where you're simply at the dictates of a lot of feelings that are out of order? Like little Dickie and Dolly, the little weatherman and weatherwoman in the house on the mantelpiece. When Dickie's in, Dolly's out. When Dolly's in, Dickie's out. And so you don't know whether you're Dickie or Dolly, whether you're in or out or up or down or what you are. Well, did God ever mean us to live like that? What does it mean in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 when it says that ye henceforth 
be no more tossed to and fro. It's the word of God, isn't it? That henceforth you be no more tossed to and fro. The devil's ping pong ball. Well, surely the man who is at the mercy of his feelings, the devil plays ping pong with him. Yeah, tossed to and fro. You say, well, I don't feel like it now. I don't feel like it. And you can settle an issue on that. A vital issue in your life. Just that you don't feel like it. But your feelings come out of your beliefs. And wrong believing produces wrong feelings. And right believing produces right feelings. And if your right believing is right believing, which is in the word of God, and you're letting God be true, you'll have a witness in your spirit. And that witness, you'll feel it. And then in your heart, you'll have joy and peace. You'll feel it. And you'll begin to say, it's me that we should make merry and be glad. It's me. Glory to God. It's me. It's right that we should make merry and be glad. That's the true mirth makers down here in this world are the people of God. Oh, those people who say, well, I won't wish you a happy Christmas. I won't wish you a merry Christmas. I'll wish you a happy Christmas. As if it's wrong for the people of God to be merry. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. And I tell you, when you are filled with the Spirit, you know it. You know it. And there's some feelings about it, too. And you get these people who say, Ah, you know, it's right for the lambs to gamble. But of course, when you get older, you see, and you settle down, and you become a sheep, Aye, well, of course, you become more established. <laughs> Do you know a good word for established? Stuck in the mud. Stuck in the mud. There are a lot of people hide behind the word established when what they really mean is they've got in a rut. Now, the Spirit of God is someone who cannot be detected or discerned by natural judgment. Thou canst not tell whence he cometh and whither he goeth. He's like the, he's like the wind. Glory to God. And, and, and so we find there's something about this blessed, wondrous way of liberty where you'll find that your feelings will not uh, dictate to you, but you will dictate to them. They'll have to come in line with the Word of God. The Word of God. That's it. Now, uh, the Word of God will take the place of those feelings. It isn't a case of, well, I, I won't praise the Lord this morning because I don't feel he's good. Will you insult the Lord by just praising him when you feel like it? Or is he not like it all the time? Well, and as you move out and break through the sound barrier, but it isn't, well, it may be the sound barrier. You might have to open your lips and shout hallelujah. But when you break through the sound barrier with a crack and a report, you enter into a new realm where your feelings now are in their order. They're in their order. They're not out of order. And I tell you this, brother, sister, if you're dictated to by your feelings, just think, just think of the feelings you've already had in your life up to now. I'll ask some of you a question. When you first saw your husband, when you first saw your wife, what did you feel? <laughs> well, some of you may have had butterflies. <clears throat> some of you may have had feelings altogether contrary. But I tell you this, now leave that line 
I'll move on to another line. When you were first harpooned of God for the way of life and for the things of heaven and eternity, what were your feelings then? You had a lot of feelings against. You had a lot of feelings of defiance and a lot of feelings of rebellion. And if you'd gone the way of feelings, you would have never arrived where you've arrived this Sunday afternoon in a place of deliverance and blessing and salvation. So feelings, as they did with poor old, what's his name? Isaac, poor old Isaac, they led him astray. Do you remember how Jacob had the goat skins? Wasn't it goat skins on his arms? Goat skins on the nape of his neck? And poor old blind Jacob felt his son. And he said, yes, the voice is the voice of Jacob. But the hands are the hands of Esau. And he went by the hairy hands. He felt the hairy hands. And because of his feelings, his feelings led him astray. And feelings have been leading people astray ever since. They always will, brother. Because whilst they are an essential part of the way of God, they are not ever in the number one place. Feelings always have a come from. They always have a come from. You cannot have feelings without first having had a belief, an unseen belief down in your heart that has produced your feelings. Now then, you've got to trace what you're believing by what you're feeling. And you can only get at the root, you can only get at the root, you can only get at the cause as you begin to trail along the line of the effect. And you trace it back and back and back till you come to the belief. Now, uh, you find a lot of things. You can put up with a lot of things God never meant you to put up with as far as feelings are concerned because your feelings have come from a wrong source of believing in your life. You can get up in the morning and you can look out the window, pull the blinds back. Oh. Pull them through again and put the light on. Well, you've passed the judgment. Passed the judgment. Do you see? You've passed the judgment. Jesus says, take no thought. Take no thought. Take no thought. You see, it can be offered to you, but don't take it. You see, the man at the turnstile or the ticket collector at the railway station, he stands there and he challenges you. And he says, tickets, please. And you don't get past unless you've got the proof that you ought to be going past. You're challenged. Now, on lots of things, they have a stamp or something passed by the censor. Well, heaven has a censorship. And when you and I get into line with heaven's judgment and heaven's censorship and only pass what heaven passes, and we don't pass judgments that come from a heart that's out of order and a heart that's making God a liar, we shall find a lot more joy and peace. Oh, you can moan and say, all these things are against me because of your judgment, because of your judgment. Oh, you remember how the patriarch, he says, Joseph is not, and Benjamin is not, and now oh, all these things are against me. And he was never more farther from the truth than then, because it was Joseph who had sent the message up from Egypt. Joseph was now prime minister of all Egypt. He was second only to the king. He had power to open all the granaries of Egypt and feed the starving nations when they hadn't a vestige of food to feed themselves. Joseph, his long-lost son, Joseph was an absolute power and an absolute control and had power and he had opened all the granaries to feed the hungry ones of the world. And there he was mourning, subject to his feelings and saying, all these things are against me. Joseph is not, and Benjamin is not, and, and, and haven't they tied up Simeon as well? There were three of them missing, I believe. And he was filled with negativism. 
And his feelings came out of a belief that was cradled right down inside his being. All these things are against me. But it was a lie. It was a lie. It wasn't the truth. The truth was, Joseph was yet alive. Glory to God. And Benjamin never had it so good. He was in the care of his elder brother. Hallelujah. He was living on the fat of the land down there. But poor old... Forgotten his name now. What was his father? Jake? Jacob, wasn't it? Poor old Jacob. He, he, he was so negative. Nothing would shift him. So Joseph says, well, we'll do something about this. So he sent some wagons up. Hallelujah. Sent some wagons up. And the wagons came rolling up. I suppose they came right to the door. And poor old negative Jacob. Oh, when he saw the wagons. Oh, when he saw the wagons. Something happened. And he got on the wagon. And he went down to Egypt. And he proved. He lived to prove. And stabbed the lie in its back. Now how many lies have you believed? And how many hours of pain have you had? As the calendar says, today is the tomorrow you're worried about. And the thing you thought would be never, never was. <laughs> well, it's there. How often we proved it. Do we recognize that worry is a sin against heaven as much as any sin in the Ten Commandments? You grieve the Spirit of God when you worry. You challenge the righteousness of God when you worry. And because you worry, you have attendant feelings that come out like bad spleen, like bile from a liver that's out of order and come back and hit you like a boomerang and spread all sorts of bitter juices through your system and your brief stomach ulcers and all kinds of things because of your judgments. And you go running here and running there for a pill here and a tablet there. And you're looking for a remedy in this bottle or that bottle when abundant life was never deposited in any kind of a bottle. It can't be corked up or stoppered up or tabulated on a little bit of a thing. Abundant life has been deposited in a person. And Jesus Christ said, I am. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. I am. And he came to give us abundant life. Well, the first thing that he does, he begins to move out that he might move in. Glory to God. And because he is the truth, there must be expelled from you and from me wrong believing, which produces a wrong lot of feelings. Now, you can tell if you've got wrong believing by your feelings. If you've got a great big soggy lump like cold, wet dumplings all stuck around you in the morning, and you feel as if you've got neither life nor anything at all, you're listless and you're depressed, and you're as heavy as a cake that's sunk in the middle and all spoiled, well, surely you're, you're a blot on the landscape. You're spoiling God's new day, and you ought to know it by the feelings that you've got, because your feelings have come out of your belief. And your very feelings are a mercy of God and a blessing of God that you might trace the wrong believing that's going on in your inside. Have you ever thanked God for pain? Have you ever thanked God for pain? Have you ever thought what life would be like without pain? Oh, you say it would be wonderful, would it? Just think, talking to somebody by the fire, and you put your hand on the bar while you're talking. <laughs> And you go on talking, but you've no pain. You don't feel anything. And after a very, very entertaining conversation, say, oh, good gracious, I've only got one hand out, but my hand's all burned away. It's not a case of King Alfred and the cake, burning the cake. I've burned my hand. 
Look, I've only got one hand now. I've lost this one. I was so busy talking to you, I didn't see. I stuck it right on the bath in the fire, and it's burned off. I've only got one. I've only got one hand now. Well, isn't it lovely that God's given you a bit of pain? Because some of us, I tell you, we need it to apply a bit of common sense. Never mind heavenly wisdom, a bit of common sense. Some people would go on abusing their bodies night and day, night and day, if they didn't have stomach, stomach ache or headache or some sort of ache. But it's the first warning you get. The pain is a red light to tell you something's the matter. You see? And, 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 and there it is. Well, you're talking to someone and you're, ooh, ooh. Ooh, I burned my finger. Mm. Well, you'll be thankful your finger is burned. You might have had your hand burned off. But it's God's way. The pain sent a telegraph message up to the head. And the head immediately adjusted the situation and told your member out there what a stupid thing it was doing. Come back home. <laughs> well, there it is now. Thank God for pain. Oh, you say, I've got toothache. Well, maybe even there, you see, you've perhaps been eating too many sweets or something. And maybe by the first warning, you can save some more teeth from going the wrong way. And isn't it wonderful that God has in this body of yours and in this body of mine permitted us to be subject to pain? You may think what a terrible thing it is, but pain's the red light. Pain tells you something's the matter. Pain is the warning. And you begin to trace that pain back to its initial come from. And now you begin to deal with a situation that's producing a wrong situation. Now, whilst this happens physically, it also happens spiritually. And you can't say, <clears throat> can't stick her. Every time that woman comes in, oh, I get such a nasty taste in my mouth. Well, now, why? Why can't you stick her? Have you ever faced up to why you can't stick her? Oh, well, she's this and she's that and she's the other. Well, that isn't all of it. The Bible says, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doest the same thing. Have you ever noticed that? The people you can't stick in your own life, it's because they're so much like you. <laughs> Brother, sister, you'll find it. You'll find if you're prepared to let the searchlight of God penetrate, penetrate, you get rid of a lot of junk and love that's cluttered your life up. The truth makes you free. Glory to God. It's like opening the doors and opening the windows and blowing all the cobwebs out and the dust and the dirt and the filth. But there are so many people, they're like the woman who would bottle 40, 40 jars of blackberries and damsons and plums. And someone says to her, You've had a good season. She says, yes. How many have you bought? She says, 40. How do you know? Well, she says, I did 40. Well, have you checked them to see the tops are all right? No, no, no. She says, I put them up on the shelf there and they'll stop there all winter. But supposing someone ha some of them haven't taken. Well, she said, I'd rather think I've got 40 than go and examine them and find I've only got 25. How many people are all like that who would prepare to live in a false position? and believe a lie and live in a lie rather than have the truth which could shatter them but at the same time could set them free. There's a power about the truth, brother, sister, that will clear you out like a dose of salt. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Pardon the expression. I perhaps ought not to have used it, but it's effective. You know what I mean. Jesus says you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. The truth has a power about it. It's a purge. 
And men, because of what, the, what, what, what they set up in their judgments and one thing and another, they, 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 they find a spiritual blockade in their beings. They come to deadlock with God and you could leave them five years and they'd still be in exactly, identically the same place after five years as when you saw them last time. They don't ever have a move because they won't have the truth. Now, the wonderful thing about the truth is, whilst it shatters you and whilst it does challenge you, yet it does things, it moves things, it releases things, it sets you free. And glory to God, you begin to find you are free, you feel it. Oh, hallelujah, you feel it. You feel it. You feel it. There's some feelings about it. And you become, begin to become wondrously conscious about feelings. Now, we can't have right feelings till we get rid of wrong feelings. Wrong feelings come out of wrong judgments that you and I have passed. We've let them slip through the turnstile. I heard of two men, I don't know how true it is, but they told me one of the big cup finals, there were two men who hadn't got tickets, and they contrived a way to get in, and they put one fellow on a stretcher, and the other two carried him. <laughs> and they moved towards the gates, through the crowds, the crowds were all there, and the chap at the front, he just said, make way, make way, make way. And the people just, you know, like the scripture says, oh, we like sheep, they stood on one side. They came up with, a, with, a, with this fellow on the stretcher and began to push through and push through and push through. And they knew they couldn't get through the turnstile. They tried to make for a side gate or something. And this fellow went, make way, stand back, make way, until at last somebody challenged him. And he says, oh, where are you going? That fella, uh, through here. He says, just a minute. That's into the football ground. The hospital's that way, not into the football ground. You're going the wrong way. Turn round. Well, there are lots of people who try to bluff things. You can't bluff God. You can't bluff God. And your actual position in the sight of God is your real position. Now, you can't get through that turnstile. You can't get through it. The Lord Jesus says, take no thought. Don't pass a judgment which is going to bring you into bondage and misery and pain. And you can tell if you've passed the judgment by the pain that you have. Oh, you can think like Jacob did. All these things are against you. You can think that. Well, now you have all the attendant pain of believing something's against you. Well, it's for you. And, and, and so, by coming into line with the Lord, you can have right judgments. Some of you may remember that little tract. Uh, it was called Safety, Certainty and Enjoyment. There were millions of it published. How I can know that I'm safe, how I can be certain that I'm safe, and how I can enjoy being safe. Well, that's it. Now, we, 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 if you are born again, you're safe. And the Word of God can make you certain. And if you believe the Word of God, you can have enjoyment. You know the story in Exodus there, the Passover. In that little tract, it mentions this story about two sons. And these two sons, uh, the word of God was, at midnight, the angel of death will pass through the land, and from the firstborn of Pharaoh on the throne to the firstborn of the captive in the dungeon, the angel of death shall smite everyone in the land of Egypt. And only those houses where they've shed the blood of the lamb and applied the lamb to the lintels of the doorposts, only there will there be safety and salvation, and, 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 and only there will the angel of the Lord pass over. And in this little tract, it goes on to mention uh, two homes. And it says, can you imagine one home where the son says to his father, 
Father, Father, have you shed the blood of the Lamb? Yes, my son. Have you applied the blood to the lintel of the doorpost, Father? Yes, my son. You may go and look at it and see it there. And the sun goes and he says, oh, three hours to midnight. Three hours to midnight. Oh, I can't sleep. I can't go to bed. I can't do anything. I can't rest. I can't. I can't. Oh, if I only felt safe. And the father keeps saying to him, my son, God has said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. God has said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And now in the next house with another son. And he says, Father, have you shed the blood of the lamb? Yes, my son. Is it on the doorpost? Yes, my son. Well, all right, my father, I'm going to rest. And the son goes and lays him down and falls asleep. Now, the question in this little tract, you'll remember if you've read it, is this. Which of the two sons was the safer? And the answer is, neither was safer than the other. Because their safety depended upon the blood and not upon their feelings. God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And it didn't depend upon what they felt, whether they felt safe or whether they didn't feel safe. But, oh, brother, it's wonderful to feel saved. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, it's wonderful to feel saved. But your salvation doesn't depend upon your feelings. David lost his feelings, and in Psalm 51 he says, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Because he'd lost it. Didn't ask the Lord to restore his salvation, but he did ask him to restore his joy. Well now, you and I can know safety, certainty, and enjoyment. Brother, sister, our feelings play a tremendous part in our lives. If you are not entering into your inheritance and feeling the glory of the Lord and feeling the presence of God, you can have right feelings that come from your spirit. You can have wrong feelings that come from your flesh. And until you get rid of the wrong ones, they'll not make room for the right ones. But thank God, there's joy and there's peace in believing. Amen. Amen.